Thank you so much. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to meet together again tonight. We pray that you watch over us tonight. Help us to be a blessing to someone in this house. We pray that you give us a good evening together. Help us to feed off the spirit, spirit that you'll provide with us today and provide us a good service tonight with a good sermon that we can take something home with. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
Well, amen. Great singing tonight. If you would, grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter number 8. Privileged for the opportunity to speak. Glad that you're in your place on a Wednesday night. How many of you enjoying this nice fall weather that we're having? Anybody enjoying it? It seems to me like it's hotter than it was in July and August. And uh, it's part of living in Florida, but we're glad you're in your place tonight. In Mark chapter number 8, we come to a passage of scripture that I hope will be a help to us tonight as a church. I've been in church for 40 years, and I guess if you count the time in my mother's womb, 41 years. And I did a little bit of math this morning, and uh, with just a little bit of math, realized that I've, pre- I've listened to over 10,000 sermons in my lifetime. That's a lot of sermons. Um, I didn't count the time that I was at college, and at college we had chapel every day. Um, And so I've listened to a lot of sermons, and I do not believe that I've ever heard a sermon from this passage of Scripture. Now, it's possible that I've heard it and just forgot it, but I believe that tonight's passage of Scripture, we get a very, very clear picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, we get to look into a glimpse and in a day of His life, uh, uh, Jesus, our Lord, we get to see Him Um, in ministry, and uh, I hope this will be a help to you. I know this this evening that Jesus specializes in broken people. Jesus went out of his way to go towards the people that other people would often be walking away from and trying to get away from, but those are the ones that Jesus would would go to, and those are the ones that Jesus uh, ministered to. I believe this tonight. I believe that our church is full of broken people. I believe that if we were able to uh, take the time and start with Brother Bill and go back to Brother Garth and just listen to everyone's story, we would be amazed at what people in our church have gone through. The difficult things and the storms and the relationships and the consequences and the hurt and the disappointment and the loss, it would be overwhelming if we started to go through the difficulties that each of us have. But the great news tonight is that Jesus specializes in helping hurting people. When you follow his life, you'll see it over and over and over again. And tonight, for just a moment, I want to look into a day in the life of Jesus. But in this day, we get to see what Jesus' heart is. What Jesus was all about. There was a mom who was trying to teach her son how to tell time, and she didn't want her son to grow up and just know how to tell time from a digital clock, so she wanted her son to learn how to tell time on an analog clock. And so this is something that they'd been working on, and one day she decided that she was going to test her son's ability, and her son was in the kitchen, and her mom said, son, what time is it? He said, I'm not sure, I don't don't know what to do. And she just replied, she said, what, what, where is the little hand? And he thought for a moment, he said, on a chocolate chip cookie. (laughs) It was caught there, and all of us have had our hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, a few weeks ago. Um, I went to the store, and I bought some Boston cream donuts. Publix Publix sells Boston cream donuts, and there are many ones, so I don't feel so bad about it. But I get them home, and uh, I have a spot where I hide them in our kitchen. And the other night, I had them in their spot. And uh, I had everybody, uh, we have a split, kind of a split plan, and I had uh, my wife and Olivia were off on one side, and Madison was off on the other, and I said, I'm going to get me one of those Boston cream donuts. 
And it was evening time, so it was kind of dark in our house. So I, I went out to the kitchen to the spot where I had them, and I opened the cupboard. And just at that time, both parties came back to the kitchen. And I was like, what are you all doing here? And they saw me. And I'm holding the Boston cream donuts. And, you know, immediately my kids are like, busted. <laughs> Today's story, we find a sobering story where a woman is caught in sin. And the story is kind of an interesting story because she is taken and drugged to a church service and brought to the preacher who was actually Jesus. And her sin was openly revealed and openly reviewed in front of all of those in attendance. As I think about that, it would be an interesting service tonight if for somehow we could connect each of our brains and our, the thoughts that we've had over the last several weeks were up on the screen. Boy, none of us would enjoy that. None of us would like that. But that's exactly what's happening to this lady as uh, she's brought to the service. And if you would, join me. John chapter number 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. I apologize. John chapter number 8, it'll be on the screen. John 8, chapter, chapter number 8, verses 1 through 11, the Bible says this. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said unto him, tempting him, that they might have it to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I commend thee, go and sin no more. Father, we're so thankful for your word, we're thankful for your ministry, Lord, we're thankful for the fact that you love us, and Father, tonight, I don't know who this is designed for, but Lord, I know you laid this message on my heart, and Father, I pray that you'd help each of us, Lord, to, on a Wednesday night when we're tired during this work week, that we would take a moment and examine our lives. And Father, make sure that we're the right character in the story, that Father, we are pleasing you. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that I like about this story is that in this story, 
um, you can find yourself. Every one of us is in this story. We see the, the broken one. We see the, those that were seeking justice. We see the, the self-righteous. We see that um, there, there's a group of people here. And it'd be like if, if somebody were to drag somebody into the service tonight. That's exactly what happened because they were having service at the temple when this took place. Jesus was actually teaching. And so you can, you can imagine that this has become a big scene now. And uh, Jesus was in the middle of teaching. And they bring her her in and they sit her in the midst and all of a sudden it's a courtroom. So we go from having church to having court really, really fast. Everyone can find themselves in this story. A reminder tonight that Jesus specializes in taking the brokenness and turning it into blessing. The first thing I want to give you tonight is number one, Come to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, He will give you grace. When you come to Jesus, He will give you grace. We find three things at stake here as the story starts to unfold. We see the law of Moses. We see the life of the woman. And we see Jesus' love toward sinners. All three of these things are at stake. And they immediately begin to point out that, that the law of Moses says that such sinners should be stoned. And then they turn to Jesus and say, What? Do you say over and over and over again in Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees have done everything they can to trip up Jesus. They've done everything they can to kind of trap Jesus. And they're trying to um, get Jesus to mess up. And that's exactly what's happened here. And they turn to Jesus and they say, what do you think should be done? What do you say that should be done? The law of Moses was brought up. The life of the woman is at stake. Her life could end at this very day, at this very spot. And Jesus' love towards sinners is at stake. As I was studying this passage, the first question that every woman in this room should have as they read this story, where is the man? Where is the man that was in this act as well? I believe this, the man was in on it. This whole thing was a display. This whole thing was a setup to try to trap Jesus. The setup worked and the woman was guilty. She actually was involved and she actually did fall into sin. And the scribes knew it, the Pharisees knew it, the town knew it, Jesus knew it, and the woman knew it. She was guilty. I imagine this being an intense scene. If you've ever seen anything happen in a service, boy, everybody gets a little bit nervous, especially with the day and age that we live in. Boy, if there's anybody that has a health condition or somebody goes down, boy, the, the service changes a little bit. I imagine this being a pretty intense scene. This was, this was a pretty intense scene because we went from a teaching moment to, boy, we're going to see Jesus work in action right now. And they bring her in and they're accusing her. And I imagine that the woman was sobbing. I imagine that these men, they just keep asking Jesus. The Bible says they just keep repeating the question. What do you say should happen to her? What do you should say? And now, can you imagine being one of the people that are in the congregation that were just listening to Jesus? Boy, the murmuring that's taking place. This is an intense scene. This is a very intense thing that's going on. But I love what Jesus does. The Bible says... That he stoops down and starts writing in the ground with his finger. Almost like what we see our children do. 
It wouldn't surprise me at all tonight if I got home with my two girls and I saw one of them outside stooping down and doing something in the dirt. That's exactly what happens here. This is a pretty intense scene. There's a lot going on and there's probably uh, uh, some nerves and some anxiety of what's going to take place. And Jesus just stoops down and starts to write in the ground. The the literal word here of the translation of the word wrote means to write against. So as a preacher, I began to speculate immediately. I wonder what he was writing. I wonder what he was writing, because if he was writing against, here's what I believe. I believe he started to write down the names of those men that were accusing and their sin. I believe that he began to write against those accusers. Those accusers are standing there and they're continuing to ask, what do you say? Then one looks over and he's like, that looks like my name. How does he know my name? And he starts writing the thoughts that he had and the things that he's done. And all of a sudden... They're starting to get their attention, but they continue to ask. And I imagine uh, some of the younger men that are there continuing to ask because they're so fired up, wanting to catch Jesus and wanting to uh, get him in a trap. And so they continue to ask. wonder what he wrote. These men were in the rock-throwing business, but Jesus is in the rock-of-ages, cleft-for-me business. These men were in a guilt business, but Jesus is in the grace business. Think about the shame and the humiliation and the fear and sadness that would be upon this woman. The fact that they had set all of this up and planned it and that she was a pawn in their never-ending plot to checkmate Jesus. They did not care about this woman. They cared about their agenda and their plan to do whatever it took to get what they wanted. Question this evening, do you care about people? Do you love people? What is your heart full of? I can tell you this. You will know that your heart is full of grace when you've dropped your rock. You will know that your heart is full of grace because grace drops rocks. You know, if we're not careful, all of us can walk into our church with a rock. And even in a church and in a ministry, we can walk around with rocks. And we're here and we're serving Jesus and we're working together and we're doing all these things, but the whole time we're hanging on to our rock. A reminder tonight, grace drops rocks. Our hearts are to be full of grace. We'll talk a few minutes about what this rock represents. But grace drops rocks. 
When you come to Jesus with your guilt, he meets you with grace. When you come to Jesus with your faults and your failures, he will meet you with forgiveness. Number one tonight, come to Jesus and he will give you grace. But number two, when you confess to Jesus, he will remove your guilt. When you come to Jesus, he will remove your guilt. It's kind of interesting that as that story continues, Jesus stands up after they've asked that question several times, and Jesus says, he who is without sin gets to throw the first stone. That's all he says. Then he turns around to finish what he was writing against him. And the Bible says that from the oldest to the youngest, you started to hear something. And one after another after another started dropping their rock and going home. What was the difference? They started to evaluate their own life instead of somebody else's. You know, a lot of times we come to church and we hear a sermon, we say, you know, that was really good for so-and-so. I hope they were listening. I hope that they were paying attention. I hope that they heard every word of that because they needed that. That's exactly what these guys were doing. Spotlight off of us, please. Spotlight off of us. Let's put it on her. We know what she did. We know what she did. One after another, they began to drop their rocks and leave. And after a few moments, and Jesus obviously knew when they were all gone, he stands back up. And now it's just he and the woman. The Bible's very clear that it's just he and the woman. I think everybody that came to church that day is gone. All of those accusers are gone. And it's now Jesus and the woman. It's kind of interesting that everyone who wanted to condemn her were unqualified to condemn her, so they left. But the one man who was qualified to condemn her didn't condemn her, and he stayed. The woman was about to see what might have been the last day of her life, the worst day of her life, turned out to be the best day of her life. For Jesus said unto her, Neither do I commend you. And this was set to be the worst day of her life. You think about the shame. You think about um, the fact that she's, her sin has been revealed and um, everybody was there and everybody knows now. But the greatest part of her day was about to happen because Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Her response was an interesting response when Jesus said, where are those are there any that still condemn you? She said this. She said, there was no man. But then she referred to him as Lord. I believe that Jesus probably called her something that she'd never been called before. And I wouldn't recommend husbands calling their wives this today, but he calls her woman. So don't go home today and say, woman, where's dinner? <laughs> I don't recommend that. But woman in Bible times was like going up to her and saying, Ma'am, where are your accusers? And there was such dignity and respect that was given to her. And she replies, there was no man. And then she called him Lord. 
Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. These words are so important for every time. You think about the times that we mess up and we get off track. And can I say this tonight, that good people mess up and get off track. Remember these words, that if we'll fess up about our mess up, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. I want you to notice a couple of things here, though, that Jesus did not say. Jesus did not turn to her and say, if you will go and sin no more, I won't condemn you. Jesus didn't say, if you will go and sin no more, I won't condemn you. He said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. He revealed sin that they concealed. And then he appealed sin that they revealed. He did everything the opposite of what they were hoping for. They came and revealed sin, and he appealed it. And then their concealed sins, he revealed them. The self-righteous Pharisees left condemned, and the sinful woman left forgiven. If you reject Jesus... You will leave with your guilt, but if you confess to Jesus, you will leave with his grace. Number three tonight, when you commit to Jesus, he will lead you to goodness. When you commit to Jesus, he will lead you to goodness. We hear this phrase all the time that we are to love the sinner, but hate the sin. Love the sinner, but hate the sin. Jesus, in this passage, this is worth noting that um, a lot of people would end the story right there that uh, she committed adultery, and then Jesus said, I don't condemn you, and that's the end of the story. But that's not where the story ends. When you commit to Jesus, he will lead you to goodness. Jesus did not wink at sin. He did not just say, it's okay, boys will be boys, girls will be girls. He confronts the sin but he does it separate from the person. We're to hate the sin, but love the sinner. Jesus did not say, I condemn your sin. He addressed the sin and assured her. He said, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. God gives grace and forgiveness so that we will live a life for him. Forgiveness of sin is not a license to sin. It's not a license to do whatever we want. That's not what this story is teaching at all. But this story is to showing a woman who fell into sin, who was broken over her sin, who turned and said, Lord, there's a turning there in her heart. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Tonight, as we look at this story, we are either the Pharisee or the woman. I brought this rock with me tonight because this rock really represents angry, bitter people. Self-righteous, self-promoting, rock-carrying, rock-throwing people. Jealous, vindictive people carry and throw rocks. I want to give you a few things tonight that I hope will be a help to you as we get ready to close. Some application from this story. Number one, 
the first thing I wrote down was this, you are not the judge. You are not the judge. It's kind of interesting that these people came and they brought somebody that they knew had done wrong and uh, boy, they wanted, they wanted justice and they wanted the law to be taken all the way to the letter. They wanted to take those stones that they had brought and they wanted to use them to end that person's life and they wanted to test Jesus. They wanted to do all of these things, but just a little bit of a reminder tonight, you are not the judge. Stop talking about other people and start to pray for them. Well, I think they ought to do it this way, or if I were them, newsflash, you're not them. You have to worry about yourself. Because you're not the judge, but you're going to meet him. And the Bible says that we ought to judge the way that we want to be judged. And we've got to be really, really careful that we're not coming to church with our rocks. Oh, did you see what so-and-so had on Facebook? you hear what I heard about them? We could be sitting in a church service, and though we don't see them, rocks are flying. We're not the judge. Number two, I wrote this down, and it's pretty simple, but it's a great reminder from the story. God loves you. Tonight, no matter what you're going through, maybe it's consequence. Maybe it's storms. Maybe it's something that's completely out of your control. Don't forget that God loves you. And that Jesus in this whole big charade that was going on, there was a sinner that was in front of him. There was somebody who was actually guilty, who did that sin. Everything they said was right. But Jesus loved that person. And Jesus turned to him and said, and told her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Third thing that I wrote down is pretty simple. Focus on your walk. Focus on your walk. That's probably going to mean that you have to drop your rocks. Stop worrying about everybody else. And start to focus on yourself. My mom used to say it like this. Sweep off your own back porch. Anybody ever heard that before? Is that just a northern thing? Man, my mom drilled that into us. Sweep off your own back porch. We'd go to her, and we'd say, uh, I just wanted to let you know, Josh, my little brother, he did this again. And she'd look at me and say, sweep off your own back porch. I'm like, I was just trying to help get him in trouble. You know? <laughs> That's all I was doing. Focus on your walk. Focus on your relationship. Make sure that you are where you're supposed to be. And then when you're where you're supposed to be, you still leave your rock. And you go and you encourage other people and you edify other people. You build up other people. You pray for other people. You come alongside of other people. Stop allowing past sin from keeping you from, to, from serving God. Stop allowing past sin to keep you from serving God. God. Satan wants you to live in a place where all you think about is your past and what you've done. In the past month, I've sat down with two different people, two different occasions, two different uh, stages of life, and both of them looked at me in the eye and told me the exact same thing. I've done some terrible things. I was thinking about this message. I was thinking about this already, and I'm thinking to myself, we've all done terrible things. 
We've all thought terrible things. We, we're, we're, we're human. We're flesh. We're sinners. We're not where we're supposed to be. But there's a God in heaven who wants to use us and he wants us to serve him. And if we'll just get past it and say, man, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm going to get up every day and take care of myself. Make sure my relationship's right with him. Make sure that my walk is right. And then be willing to be used wherever he wants to use me. Stop allowing your past. Stop allowing the devil to bring it up and keep that, uh, make that the excuse that you have that you do not do something for the Lord. Begin to serve the Lord. Next thing I wrote down is simple. Stop sinning. That's what Jesus said. He said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. You want a life that's full of joy, a life that's full of peace? Boy, stop messing around. Stop sinning. Stop, stop doing those things. This one's pretty obvious. We've already talked about it a few times, but put your rocks down. Put your rocks down. It doesn't matter if you're in a church or a ministry. We all have it in us. We all have it in us to be rock throwers. Kind of interesting that even amongst the disciples, they were always throwing rocks. The 12 men that Jesus picked that were with Jesus each and every day, boy, they had conversations. And the Bible says that there were times where they were fighting amongst each other who's going to be greatest in his kingdom. They're fighting amongst each other to see who is going to be the best. There's a passage in John chapter number 21, verse 20 and 22. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loveth, which is John, the writer of this passage, so he's calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loveth, which also leaned on his breast at supper. I'm the one that leaned on his breast at supper. Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? What's he going to do? What's, what's going to happen with John? And Jesus saith unto him, I will that he tarry till I come. What is that to thee? Follow me. Peter, stop worrying about what John's going to do. Stop worrying about what your, your, your Sunday school leader is going to do or your buses and all of these ministries. Stop worrying about what everybody else is going to do and follow me. Stop throwing rocks at each other. There's a world that's dying and going to hell, and we're fighting with each other. There's a mission that we're on. There's a purpose that we're here. All of these things were to be lining up and striving together for the furtherance of the gospel. If we're not careful, we'll walk through those doors. and We'll talk about your pastors. Talk about... Sunday school teachers, the deacon board, the leadership. You know God's greatest desire is to drive a wedge between you and your pastor? Greatest desire. Satan's greatest desire is to drive a wedge between you and your spouse, you and your pastor, you and the leadership that's in your life that's there to help, protect, and to guide. Put down your rocks. One of the last things I wrote down was this. When it's all said and done, it will be just you and Jesus. 
When Jesus got back up, he started to look around. It was just he and the woman. And someday, it's just going to be Paul Henge and Jesus. And I will give an account for the time that I spent here and the words that I spoke, the thoughts that I had, the actions that I did. I'll give an account for what I did with my life once I trusted Christ. When I stand before the Lord someday, I don't want to be dropping rocks out of my pockets, trying to get everything straightened out so I can stand before the Lord and He tell me, I saw the rocks. I saw you day after day after day having those rocks of bitterness, things that you've not reconciled, Fixed, and day after day after day in my house, throwing rocks. At the people that I put in your life for you to serve with, to strive together for the kingdom of heaven. We've got to be careful as Christians that we're doing what we've left, been left here to do. When we got saved, we didn't automatically go to heaven. That'd be something, wouldn't it? A little kid gets saved in junior church, poof, he's gone. Parents come to get him. Where's my child? Oh, he got saved. <laughs> Wonderful. Where is he? Oh, you don't know? <laughs> when we get saved, we don't automatically disappear and get to go to heaven. God's left us here with a purpose and a plan. And he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Strive together, grow together as a church with one mission to, to get more people to know that there's a God in heaven who does not condemn them, but he hates their sin. And because of their sin, they'll be separated from God from all of eternity unless somebody drops their rocks it's a heart full of grace. It says, oh, without the grace of God, where would I be if somebody didn't tell me the good news about this man named Jesus? Father, we're so thankful for your word. Lord, I pray that we'll be a church that just evaluates our life, stops throwing rocks at each other, starts to work together, strive together, and serve together. Till you come. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be reminded that when we come to you, you'll give us grace. When we confess to you, you'll remove our guilt. And when we commit to you, you will lead us to goodness. Lord, today we're thankful that you specialize in taking brokenness and turning it into blessing. In Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. Amen, Pastor Paul. Thank you for feeding us well tonight. What a blessing, convicting message. Let's turn our attention to our prayer sheets here this evening.
I've got several to add to those lines that we provide so you can pencil them in and be able to lift a, up your brothers and sisters in Christ in your own prayer time this week. If anybody has a prayer request that you've written down, can you raise those up in the air? And Steve, one of the guys, will bring it up to me. Anybody have something filled out? All right, let me give you the ones that I have provided here. Brother Dory is going to have surgery coming up next week. So let's pray for him and lift him up and her up as well as she takes care of him. Let's pray for the Dorys. Donnie Lomas, this is Miss Vicky's son. He's going to have back surgery a week from tomorrow. She's asking us to pray for relief of the pain for the remainder of the week. And after the surgery is done as well, obviously, for him to heal well. This is Donnie Lomas. She's actually with him right now. They're out of town. Daryl Flint texted me and let me know that he's not feeling well tonight, that we would pray for him. And she lives at home taking care of him tonight. So let's pray for Daryl. On the front covers of your prayer sheets, You'll see there in bold, these are the ones that we received here really in the last uh, couple of days. Paul, this is Lori Hall's brother-in-law, has bone cancer, rapidly progressing. They'll be starting him on an aggressive chemo and radiation treatments. Let's continue to pray for Miss Valerie and her family as they mourn the passing of her grandmother. The Stancil family was up at that funeral yesterday. We'll be back soon. Joseph Wilkes, he broke his leg this past weekend. He's recovering at home. He's one of our Christian school students. Uh, I believe he's a seventh grader. He's a seventh grader. Let's pray for Miles and Mason Villanueva. They recover from tons, that one. Yes, those things. They're recovering from some health issues. Lance said and he will be visiting the uh, doctors tomorrow, hopefully get some answers to some of the issues that he has been having lately. Let's continue to pray for Dr. Mills, obviously, as he continues to mourn and the homegoing of his dear wife, Miss Rosemary, be an encouragement there. Reach out and love on him. Does anybody have an unspoken prayer request that you would never dear say out loud, but you know that the Lord hears that request? Thank you. A lot of us. Well, let's do what we do on Wednesday nights. We're going to ask you to come up to the, uh, the altars and let's flood these altars. What pastors asked us to do now for months is to pray out loud at the same time as we Go to the throne room of grace to obtain mercy. I'm going to ask Brother David Hall to make his way up to the pulpit, if you don't mind, brother, when the alarm goes off in five, six minutes, and to pray out loud for us together. So all the way from the back to the front, if you can make your way up here and join us in an old-fashioned prayer meeting here at the altar, let's lift up our voices. If you're uncomfortable getting up and coming up here to the altar, please make your chair an altar, or just... You can stay seated there and pray quietly if you'd like. 
just as long as we're praying together is the whole goal. Let's pray together, church.
Thank you, Lord, for what we've heard tonight. Lord, it's a good rebuke, I think, to each of us. The flesh has a tendency to justify ourselves and condemn others, so Lord, forgive us there, both individually as a church and also as a nation. Father, we'd ask God that you would help us now. Um, Father, we ask God for prayer for just your people to have a good old hatred for sin and unrighteousness. God, help us to see sin as you see sin. Help us to realize it may appear appetizing, uh, attractive, but in the end it brings death, brings destruction, it brings hurt, it destroys, it kills. God, uh, just help us to realize that each and every day. Father, we'd ask God now that you would uh, be with these requests. Well, we think of Brother Doerr, your surgery next week. We ask God that you be with him and Irene. Pray for a successful surgery for the physicians, that you would guide their hands and direct them, and just pray for a good recovery, Lord. Lord, pray for Don Lomas Jr., again, for his back surgery coming up. This young man, please be there. Please help. Please relieve the pain. Give Don and Vicki grace, Lord, as they try to minister to their son there. Father, we pray for Brother Darrell good man who's under the weather we ask god that you would heal his body help him give him deliverance from this illness we pray thee father we ask also for prayer for my brother-in-law paul barletta lord whose uh, diagnosis continues to get worse and he's not getting better lord please pray for him lord pray for their walk with the lord father pray for you to give much grace to his wife lisa and the family and Lord, we thank you they are saved. Lord, we praise you for that, so just work there in that situation. Father, for Joseph Wilkes who broke his leg, we just pray for him. We ask God you'd heal this young man quickly and fully of his injury. Father, we pray also for uh, Miles and Mason who've had uh, health issues and Lord asking God to expedite their recovery. Lord, for Lance Seddon, as he'll be taking to uh, the gastroenterologist tomorrow and trying to get some answers on these stomach issues. So, Lord, please pray for wisdom there for the doctors, for his uh, situation. Lord, just a reminder for those who are healthy, for those of us who can walk, who can see, that can hear, Lord, what a blessing it is. Help us not to take that for granted each and every day of our lives, the health that we have. Father, we pray also for Brother Harry, Lord, and uh, the sudden passing of his wife, Rose Marie, such a sweet lady. Lord, please give grace, please give mercy, please comfort through the Spirit of God. To Dr. Mills, and uh, Lord, we pray for the service that's coming up. Pray we glorify you. Pray for anybody that's lost there might come to Christ as personal Savior. Father, for Deb Newmeyer's mom, Alice, who again is not in good health, who needs surgery, Lord, we pray for her. We pray for uh, Nate, Pratt and Asina's grandson, Lord, just tragic situation with his eyes, Lord. Lord, please touch that young boy. Please heal him. Please help him to restore his eyesight. So we plead and beg with you for that. Lord, pray for uh, Bill, Mike Nevitt's Father, as he recovers from a stroke, just be with this man and help him to get the uh, strength he needs to get back on his feet. And 
Pray there be no long-term consequences because of this. Pray for Brother Rick Martin, Lord. What a, a faithful man of God. Been in the Philippines for a year, a missionary, Lord. Just bless him and his wife and, Lord, the health issues that he's going through. We, we lift him up. We ask God that you would touch his body and heal him and continue to bless his ministry there. Father, uh, also just for Paul Overfield, I know he, Bond has been dealing with uh, some extreme health issues with him and Lord, just pray for him. We love the Overfield. We ask that you'd meet their needs. Pray for Bob Grubbs as well as he's now in rehab. Pray for Eileen too, Lord. God, it's so good just to beseech your throne. I know that you care about us. Know that you love us. Know that we can come to you any place, anytime, anywhere. Knowing that your arms are outstretched. God, I'm reminded of the verse tonight, the love of Christ constraineth us. So, Lord, uh, help us as your servants, help us as your children to cry, Abba, Father. Help us to glorify your name. Help us to walk in truth. Help us to realize, Lord, that uh, you've given us a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. And God, may we be faithful in carrying that out. May you empower us through the Spirit of God. May you please be pleased with what's said and done this week. And most importantly, who we are, Lord. Help us to be holy as you are holy. Help us to be a thankful people. Lord, you've been so good to us. We pray, though, Lord Jesus, that you would come quickly. Yes. We desire to be with you in your presence, yes. absence from sin, and to be in heaven with you and other believers and loved ones gone before. We ask us all in Jesus' precious and most wonderful name. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. Someone say amen. amen. What a blessing. Thank you, Brother David. Thank you, folks, for praying here at the altar. Ushers, would you come forward on this Wednesday night, just in case you miss it on Sunday, or if the Lord has laid it on your heart to give some more on this Wednesday. We always want to give all of us an opportunity to worship the Lord through our tithes and our offerings Guys, you can pass the plates when you get up here to the front. Thank you so much. Dorcas Ministries will resume tomorrow, Thursday, September 19th, and they will be meeting the first and third Thursday of each month. Ms. Valerie will be hosting a Bible study for moms on September 26th at 11, and a Bible study for young adult ladies two days later on September 28th at 11 o'clock as well. If you would like to attend one of these, purchase the book, True Women 101, Divine Design, and join us at the church. Child care will be provided. If you'd like to purchase your foundation's devotional book, they will be for sale in the coffee shop after the morning service starting this Sunday. The cost for each book is $18. There will be a men's prayer meeting in the auditorium for the Jabez Project this Saturday, September 21st, from 6 to 8 p.m. Monroe Roark's new book about Bill Martin, Our Missionary to Mexico, has been available on Amazon for about a month in conjunction with our special Missions Emphasis Sunday coming up October 6th. 
copies of the book will be on sale that day in the coffee shop for $10 a piece with all the proceeds going back into the missions budget here at Community Bible Baptist Church. If you want one, please sign up tonight or next Sunday in the coffee shop so we can know how many copies to have on hand October 6th. The girls volleyball team will be traveling to the Hope Children's Home tomorrow and playing the Christian school there at five o'clock. Join us there for fun time watching the girls play volleyball. Now, there is a memorial service for Miss Rosemary Mills scheduled here at the church September 28th at one o'clock. In lieu of flowers, Brother Harry is asking that donations be made to the Jabez Project, iOS, or directly into missions. We are asking that our church family bring finger foods, sweet tea, and water for a reception after the service in Barnard Hall. If you're able to bring something, please sign up in the coffee shop and specify what you will be bringing. Thank you in advance for being a blessing to Brother Harry during this time. This weekend, what's going on here at our church? Let me ask you. Softball tournament. Now you think that's just um, for the people signed up. We're asking you not only to come out Saturday, we're going to White Cell Park over in Largo, White Cell all day long. I believe the first game starts at 10 all the way until it ends. And you basically, if you come out anytime, you'll be seeing some of the men from our church playing. At last count, we had 36 men from our church playing, including me. No pictures of me playing softball. Someone say amen. You can thank you. <laughs> you can come Saturday and watch us and cheer us on. But here's the deal. Friday night is really what we want you to be part of. It's a church service for all the guys that we've invited from out of town and here locally. And for all of us, everybody that wants to come, we'd love for you and your family to be here. My family will be here this Friday, 7 o'clock. We've invited Pastor Odom from Miami. Uh, they hosted this same tournament earlier in the year. And now he's coming up here with his teams, two teams. He'll be preaching here. I'll be directing the music. Pastor will be here. Pastor Paul will be here. Nick's running the whole thing. So we're having a church service in here at Friday. You're invited to be with us. So we hope to see you there at 7. All hearts are settled. We are dismissed on this Wednesday night. Thank you for being in your place. We will see you Friday if you come. Tomorrow for RU if you're there. Or Saturday for the prayer meeting or for the softball tournament. Or just Sunday for the Sunday school at 9 o'clock. We love you. God bless you.